0: where do Mike Gundy and Brent Venables currently stand at their respective jobs? And also some big news. One of the partners, of the big 12 endeavor has purchased WWE. Does that mean anything at all for the big 12 conference? Well, it could a little bit we'll explain on today's show. You are locked on big 12, your daily podcast on the big 12 conference, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Today it is the 4th of April, 2023. Make sure you all subscribe to the channel here on YouTube. Please do so. Uh, Our goal is 4,000 subscribers by the end of the month of April. So you guys can help us do that now by subscribing to Locked On Big 12. Like the videos, leave your comments as well. Always like to hear what you all have to say. Follow us on Twitter at L O big 12. You guys can find me at Josh neighbors underscore. If you guys cannot listen to the show or watch the show, I should say you guys can listen on uh, Apple podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, any place you get your podcast, leave a five-star rating there as well. Uh, It's just great when you guys are able to engage the show, help us that way. But if you're driving and whatnot, don't watch the YouTube while you're driving, please listen to us on whatever podcast platform you prefer. So a couple notes uh, as we get going here. You know, I, we're going through coaches right now. Yesterday, we talked about Steve Sarkeesian and Neil Brown. I think the two no doubters when it comes to hottest seats in the league. And today we're going to focus on Mike Gundy and Brent Venables. Before we get to them, though, There was a piece of news that just recently happened. So uh, Endeavor, which is the parent company for the UFC, it used to be WME-IMG. They own IMG Academy. They own Learfield. They own IMG Sports. They're also a talent agency as well. They purchased a controlling stake in WWE. What they're going to do is they're going to package WWE with the UFC and make it one company, one publicly traded company. I think they're – I think their T- TKO is going to be like their whatever they call it the IPO name, whatever they use. You know that their their stock name. I forgot what the title is for that. Um, this is you know I, I've seen some people say oh you know it's good news. the Big Twelve this is going to hurt the Pac twelve. Th- th- this is not really related to that. I think it does help the Big Twelve because anytime you have a partner and the Big Twelve partners with Endeavor for um, social media strategy, conference alignment I think it was a conference organization and also like things like the NFTs, the gambling involvement, like they're going to sp- help help be a conduit for the league for all those things. I think all of those things are coming. Um, it's going to basically make it to where the big 12, they're going to try to get in the forefront of a lot of these things. And it's going to make that transition a lot easier because Endeavor have, has all of these connections in all these different spaces and it's going to help them make that and promote that. Um, the only way in which this helps them is that, you know, if there's going to be some WWE wrestlers at events, you know, just, or, you know, uh, UFC fighters, they haven't even done that yet. They could have done it before. They have not done that yet. You know, stuff like that, that just, they can get them out to events and, and certain things of that nature. It does not mean anything big time. It's not going to be like, you know, Vince McMahon is going to, uh, you know, billionaire strut onto the field at the big 12 championship game and be like, welcome to big 12 of mania, we're so glad you're here. You know, and Vince's—I uh, mean, he's had his own issues and just got reinvolved with the wwe but so you know when you see this when you see oh you know endeavor I, i've heard of that from the big 12 just so they're adding something to their portfolio in, in terms of entertainment it could be a resource the big 12 taps into when it comes to some promotional stuff you know getting uh getting big faces out at your events we know that the big 12 has been doing that wme also i think for the, from the talent perspective is going to help them because they've got so many entertainment clients you know bad bunny does wrestling i'm not even sure he's wme client but that could be somebody who you might see out of the big 12 events so just know that this isn't a huge huge deal it's only a positive but if it's a positive it'd be a small positive uh just with more access to, to people and the one thing is you like it when you hear a company like endeavor that's just getting bigger and bigger and as long as they're linked with the big 12 it's just good news in general so not too high not too low could be positive most likely could be you know would be great to see somebody besides Vince McMahon out some of your events because uh, Vince right now is not the most well-liked person. He's got a lot of stuff going on personally. So there's that with that. Yeah. All right. So let's get to the coaching, uh, you know, football coaches. What we really want to talk about right now, uh, you know, as we kind of gear up for spring football and we're doing it right now and also getting ready for the 2023, 2024 football season. Yesterday I talked about the seat being hot for Steve Sarkeesian I talked about it being hot for, um, uh, Neil Brown, West Virginia. Although Neil Brown's, I really, the point was like, we're past, you know, we're, we're past hot. The volcanoes erupted. It's almost cooling down. There's almost really no way to, to put the toothpaste back in the tube. And this one, it feels like a change is inevitable, but we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, you could, he could go off and they could rescue the season and look at TCU came out of nowhere and, and pulled a rabbit out of the hat. It, it, it could happen. I don't think we feel good about it happening, but it could happen. The the next two coaches I'm going to go to, and I'm kind of grouping these coaches together. So we talked about Neil Brown, talked about uh, Sark, because they're kind of in this, you know, they're definitely the seats are the hottest for them. Then I want to go to the Oklahoma coaches. So Oklahoma State and an OU, because I'm not saying their seats are hot, but I think there is some, some eye squinting. There is a lot of questions surrounding both programs and not saying it's all going to fall on the head, man, but, um, you know, Brent Venables, let's, let's just go the Oklahoma route first. All right. Brent Venables, because this one's a bit simpler. So he goes to Oklahoma, right. And he has coached in the sec. I liked the hire at the time because I thought it would give them a good advantage, you know, in the big 12, because this guy who's coached at Oklahoma when they're in the big 12 coached to K state as well. He's a guy who's got those connections there. He's a good recruiter. You know, he's from Kansas, all of these things. And so uh, the one thing is, though, it's not, it's not his first head job. But the other thing, or it was his first head job. The other thing is, like, their defense was really bad. And so you thought, hey, maybe the defense will improve. Not the case in year one. Now, plenty of time for him to get that thing cleaned up. It's true. But uh, at times, you know, game management could have been a question. I mean, game planning was a huge question. That Texas game, my God, embarrassing the way Oklahoma showed up with really, you know, without a big plan, at quarterback. Um, the Baylor game was a just like you knew what Baylor was gonna do. They're gonna run a bunch of wide zone. They were not gonna put the ball in Blake Shapen's hands and they still lost that game anyway. Game was at home for OU, felt like they should not have lost that game. Tech game got sideways for them on defense as well. Now they were dealing with Dylan Gabriel injury, which had to be, I think, um, had to be thrown in there, in there too. But the thing is, you know, no matter how many excuses that we can make for Brent Venables, this is still the first. Losing season they had at Oklahoma since I think it was 1997 is what I believe. 96 or 97. Um, That's the first time it's happened since then. And that is not something that they're accustomed to there. Now, the recruiting is still very good. They've got a bunch of really good players in there. It begs the question, though, like what is acceptable for Oklahoma in year year number two? Let's just look up any preseason top 25 for college football. All right. I'm going to go to... Uh, let's see uh, ESPN have one on March 13th and this is an aggregation of this one. So let's see what ESPN has. So on March 13th, they had let's command up Oklahoma. So Oklahoma uh, is going to come in at number 14, right? So the expectation is already going to be high for them. Here's what they say. Bracing from its first losing seasons, is 98, excuse me, I was wrong on that one, 98 and it's first outing overall under new head coach Brent Venables, regarded as a college football premier defensive mind, uh, but whose defense was 123rd nationally and 90th in points per game. Dylan Gabriel returns a quarterback, but he loses top receiver Marvin Marvin Mims a 1, 000, uh, and 1,000-yard rush for Eric Gray. OU got some big help defensively by adding transfer lineman Trace Ford and I think it's Deshaun, uh, Deshaun, or Deshaun, Deshaun McCullough, adding speed and physicality in the front seven. So that's a you know nice little snapshot right there of what OU is dealing with. Um, they're also dealing with the fact that they're going to be transitioning from the Big 12 to the SEC here in a year. And look, I don't I mean, I don't feel comfortable saying like what happens if they go six and seven again. And I mentioned this yesterday, but I'm gonna say this again. If you're an OU person, I've heard a lot of them saying six and is not gonna happen again. And look, I don't think it will. But right now, like six and seven is what we have to judge him off of. Once again, killer recruiting. And once again, like, you know, roster restructuring, sure. And he's a first-year coach. But, you know, this this does put a little bit of heat on him. Not saying the hot is – the seat is fully hot and, you know, whatever. Uh, And he's got some cachet at this school as well. He's not an outsider. He's been there before. So people trust him. But I think there is a bit of, all right, Come on, let's go. We in this league, we're we're pairing with the SEC. We should be good enough. We we had a great run with Lincoln Riley, obviously. I think the frustration for a lot of folks, and rightfully so, is defensively their ineptitude, right? And we mentioned the numbers: one hundred twenty third defense, and the ninety third, or whenever it is ninety, I think ninety third, and the number of points allowed, uh, ninety points per game allowed. So um, that is where Oklahoma now finds themselves with a defense like that. And you think Brett Venables would change that. And you're wondering how long does it cha- take to change something like that? Um, You know, we were told last year, like the way that they were tackling in practice was different. And I'm not sure if it takes long to, to pick up on that stuff, but they were still the bad tackling team that we saw before the Nebraska game was like this. Oh my God, look at them go. And then Adrian Martinez just ripped them to shreds in the, I think it was the following week. Right. And that game was in Norman at night. Uh So, there's a lot happening here, and I think this year is more of a sorting out year for Brent Venables. I don't think they can him. I don't think that's the direction they want to go. I don't think they want to hire another football coach. Um, you know, I think six and six is going to put them in a really bad position. But uh, you know, I think it matters of how that looks, right? Not all six and sixes are created equally. There could be injuries, all of these things. But you got to keep an eye on it because that was a disappointing season, and they've reloaded talent wise. And this team should not be a six and seven football team. That team should have been either in this league. This league has gotten better. Last year was the best top to bottom league in this conference. I think a lot of us can remember, you know, and at least in the last decade or so, how well Kansas played, how good Iowa state defense was, despite them being bad. Baylor has a down year, but still wins six games, pushes TCU to the brink. Kansas state, obviously great season. Um, you know, even West Virginia pulled out some nice wins there, right? They, they did the double. I think they beat both Oklahoma schools. If I remember correctly. And so, you know, both Oklahoma schools still went to bowl games, right? Texas had a, had a decent season. Texas Tech had a really great year. Uh, you know, Kansas had a nice year. Like, there was something you could say about every single team. West Virginia is, you know, probably the worst one out of all of them, but still, like, at the end of the day, it was a, you know, a, a team that was semi-competitive in some games, um, you know. And, and once again, I'm not going to say the entire league was great last year, but, like, they had teams that could beat some teams in the league most weeks of the year. So this this group should be better this year. This group should be better in this league. I think it's worth 100% putting some heat on and be like, all right, we expect to be in the Big 12 title chase this year with this roster. I think they're going to be selected towards the top of the league. I think um, OU, Texas, TCU, and K-State are all going to find themselves towards the top. Now, the good news is is that the trend is kind of on their side, right? Uh, Last few years, we've been cycling through schools, uh, you know, in the Big 12 championship game, and even before that, they were dominant. So, like, there's been some turnover, and before the turnover, they were dominant. So, they can maybe be part of the turnover and help return to the dominance. Of course, they won't be in the league for much longer. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think from a roster standpoint, once again, them in Texas will be up there. It's just a matter of can Brent Venables that he what did he learn from year one about pulling the right strings? And I think there's a lot that he that he took from that. I think you listen to his press conferences, and you can tell there's a lot he took from that. And so what happened to the coordinators, obviously, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think that uh, Jeff Levy was about as hot of a name as we, as we had, and then injuries happened. Dylan Gabriel didn't play as well. So a lot of questions, but I think a lot of them were learning on the fly not on the fly, but learning in that, in that league last year, Dylan Gabriel's first time in a bigger league, right. in, the, in a power five league, Brand Venable's ter- first time as a head coach, Jeff Levy a lot of pressure on him there. So I am willing to not, not absolve him, but say, you know, it's, it's, I think it's worth the note. Like they could have, you know, Dave Aranda did it at Baylor. Why couldn't Brent Venables do this at Oklahoma? It's very reasonable to think that he could have a down year and then they could win 10, 11 games this year, but we haven't seen him do it yet. So if you want to ask that question, totally fair. Once again, I'm not claiming the seat is super hot. I just think this situation's more cut and dry of like he learned, um, you know, he, he learned uh, and, you there are certain things I think we can definitely expect to see Dylan Gabriel must be better uh, up front on defense they want to be better tackling needs to improve the defense has to create some more turnovers this season put the offense in better spots and I think all of those things are stuff that you hope that they check off Um, and so I feel like he's a bit easier to grade this year and we'll see how things shake out if they go eight and four you know it's uh, we're improving eight and four it's like a uh, you know, kind of a, we didn't beat the big dogs eight and four. Then you're a little bit, you know, you're saying, mm, where are we heading with this? Right. Six and six. start to say, all right, all right. Well, you know, serious concern. I'm not sure if they can him. Depends on how that six and six or six and seven looks. And I mean, that bowl game will be important because back-to-back losing seasons does not happen at the OU very often. Right. But I think a nine, three, 10 and two, in the big 12 title game. I think you're like, all right, he learned, he's learning still all coaches should be learning. They should be adapting, should be evolving, but I'm very interested to see what BV looks like this year. And I think it's totally fair to say there is a moderate amount of pressure on BV. All right, quick word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you all by Built Bar. Go to built.com today. That's built.com. That's where you guys uh, can find Built Bars, Built Go, Built Boost. Built Bars are delicious. They're good. They're good for you. They're low on sugar, high on protein, and they're delicious. Once again, covered in 100% Real chocolate. You guys can find them at Sam's Club now in the 13-pack. Or if you want something smaller, you guys can go to Walmart and get the four-packs. But I'm telling you what, I'm going. I'm getting that 13-pack, brother. I'm getting that 13-pack at Sam's Club. Once again, Built.com, Sam's Club, Walmart. That's where you guys can find the delicious Built Bars. All right, so this is the more difficult one of the two. Mike Gundy is coming into this year uh, for Oklahoma State with a very interesting situation. It's been a while. I forgot the final count on the, on the amount of players that they lost, but they come off a seven and six season. They lost in the guaranteed rate bowl uh, to Wisconsin. That is on the heels of a 12 and two season where they won the Fiesta bowl, right? Finished number seven in the country for that eight and uh, eight and three before that eight and five for that seven and six, then three, 10 and three seasons in a row. Seven and six, ten and three. I mean, look, he's a consummate winner. So here's here is what's interesting about Mike Gundy is that there is no conventional, he is not on a conventional hot seat because he has been such a successful coach at Oklahoma State. He has, I, I think a good comp might be Wisconsin. He has almost turned them into the Wisconsin of the of the Southwest area. You know, Oklahoma, south, you know, southwest, Midwest, South, whatever you guys want to call it. That is a consistent winning program that oftentimes can win ten games. They can compete for conference championships. I know some big wins have really eluded him. I know he's taken a lot of heat for uh, you know for for how that has gone. But with that being said, um, with how how good how good of a job they have done of winning, is that he is. Old school, 55 years old, but still old school in his approach, right? The one thing that we heard about after the COVID season in 2021 was how happy he was they were able to scrimmage as much as they did. They scrimmaged a ton. The one issue they've been dealing with recently, and I, I don't know if these two things are related, I didn't play football at a high level. I didn't play football hardly ever. I mean, I've followed it like my entire life, but never played at any kind of high level. The one thing that I don't know if this is linked or not, and I'd love to have somebody tell me their thoughts on this, but like the amount of time that they get after it, it might cultivate some strong minds, some strong players, but they have gotten crushed with injuries in the last couple of years, whether it be quarterback, whether it be wide receiver, whether it be de- defense, the secondary for them has been absolutely, ju- I mean, just just decimated. And for them last year, you know, they were – I mean, it's – it's. I said this a bunch. Spencer Sanders was the most valuable player in the entire Big 12 conference because of what he meant to that team. And you could maybe say, well, Dylan Gabriel is too. But, yeah, I mean, at their peak, with, with Spencer Sanders, this team was rocking and rolling. Guys, they had TCU, I mean, just dead to rights. They had him dead to rights in that game. And that's where the game, where I think that's the game where Spencer got nicked up and picks up the injury offense stalls in the second half. They can't keep putting it on them. And it's a disaster for them. Uh, at least the finish that game was, and things really tailed off for them. that you know, last year. And then with obviously that West Virginia loss, which was strange, they had that loss, uh, you know, to 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 Wisconsin in the bowl game where everything was swirling around. about hey, Spencer Sanders might have asked to be back on the team, but they they moved on. Spencer had to move on, you know. Um, talks about you know obviously the coordinator situations. They you know they had uh, Derek Mason leaves the team, and then they have to go and get a uh, let's see um, the new uh, the uh, I'm totally got this guy's name uh, the new Oklahoma D- Oklahoma State DC uh, Brian Nardo right who comes from you know just obscurity, but. Uh, You know, this could be a a diamond in the rough. They're going to have to hit the portal hard, which they have already. You know, there's questions about the quarterbacking situation as it stands going into, they get Alan Bowman and like, is that going to be your guy? Is he going to challenge the job? You know, what's really happening? Um, Because they got Garrett Rangel, who, you know, kind of looked outclassed at times, just like he wasn't ready last year. So they've got all of, in Gunnar Gundy too, but like, you know, what are you supposed to be doing with that, right? He was involved in in the quarterback situation last year. Um, and so, you know, last year was kind of a mess. It was, it was, it was kind of a mess because they didn't have a backup plan, a quarterback, Garrett Rangel just was not ready to handle it. Uh, their defense was not good enough. They got really banged up a lot of injuries. And so the law, lo- the losing part of it is excusable. Um, although I felt like there's some games where just like the effort was <laughs> not fantastic at times. Uh, but like, if you want to put on the injuries, you can. The roster management part of it is very, very difficult because it appears if Mike Gundy maintains his tact towards players, he might have he might have to be doing a lot of cleaning house often. And, and look, but people might say, "Well, he's gonna get the kind of guys that want to play from that." Sure, but like that's not that's not always gonna be the case. That, that cannot always be the case. Like in recruiting, you are going to pitch something to, this happens to every single school in America, not just Oklahoma state, but you're going to pitch them to certain guys. So you're like, look, you know, not every kid's a hard nose, put your head down, work your tail off, uh, no talk, all play, uh, you know, uh, just every, you know, not worry about NIL, not worry about any of that, you know, number of targets, all that stuff. That's not how like a majority of, you know, that, that you can't expect every kid to be wired like that. There aren't a ton of talented kids who are all, like, just not enough of them. Especially at Oklahoma State. They do a great job of getting really decent talent, but their development is what I think sets them apart. They develop guys into, you know, NFL-caliber players at multiple positions. Uh, Rodriguez is a great, you know, Hot Rod is a great, a great example of this. Malcolm Rodriguez. You know, that's that's their calling card. And so you are potentially facing a situation if you kind of keep up this tact where you're like, I don't care about kids' futures. They and their representatives will take care of that. You know, the game's changing. The game is changing and you do have to adapt with it. Uh, you know, while they, he's built this amazing program, you are not Nick Saban. You are not Kirby Smart. You are not, you know, you're not a schools like those. You are not at a school where you are winning at that clip where the, the resume, the record, the putting guys in the league it all stands for itself and you're going to get everybody and you can basically have your pick of the litter. And if kids want to transfer, you're fine because you've got backup help is right there all the time. It's just not like that. So if you take that abrasive attitude, you might have to be deconstructing and reconstructing your roster often. And the thing with that is you are not going to, you're, well, number one, you're going to have to do a bit of that already. Number two, you don't want to put it on a much, much larger scale because number three, your hit rate on that is going to be lower because either if you're bringing kids up from a league, maybe they're just not fit to play. Uh, maybe they just don't gel. You know, maybe the kid doesn't like the school, you know, and these are still kids. I mean, you know, academics are just a bit different for them. You know, your personalities don't get along. Whatever it is it's just not going to gel for you all the time if you're having to do a mass reconstruction on the scale they just did last year. So this is where it's not like Mike Gundy's on the hot seat, but I think what we're all watching is, can maybe the, and I'm going to say this, and I, I think it's pretty honestly, like, maybe the best coach in this league, I think there's a very legitimate claim for him to, if you look at his body of work overall, guys, there is not a more successful head coach in this league. The only other coach who can maybe hold a candle to him is Gus Malzahn, now coming over as the coach of the UCF Knights. And I think still Auburn regrets that that firing uh, even to this day. I think he's the only guy in terms of resume that can hold a candle right now to what Mike Gundy's overall body of work is. Maybe some guys have some higher highs but the overall body of work in terms of program building, I know last miles did do a horrible job there, but still Mike Gundy built Oklahoma state football into what it is today. And so it, I think the frustrating part of an Oklahoma state fan is like, we know you can coach coach. You know, we, we know you're a good coach comma coach. We know you can do it. Can, can your attitude be a bit different? And look, I'm not, you know I'm not saying that all Oklahoma state state fans think this way. I think some people like his attitude, but, you know, from talking to Cody Stovall and, and thinking about some of the other coaches, there is a definite, definite conversation around, you know, around his attitudes towards certain things. And look, he might pull a rabbit out of the hat this year with, with, with the coach. It may not be just rabbit, it might just be, hey, I, I did a great job, uh, you know, evaluating Brian Nardo and uh, he's going to do a great job and we're all going to be like, well, wow, my Gundy is is great. But here's the thing, like, that that would fall in line with with the coaching job that he has done. But the issue is not the coaching job. It's it's the it's the approach. You know, the on, not the on-field coaching. It's the ego management part of it, which used to be a check your ego out the door, come here and work. And you can still have that kind of attitude, but you can't be like, "Oh, we'll hear from his representatives." Spencer Sanders gave everything to that program, a full 4 years. And whatever disagreements he had at the end, I'm sure there is some fault on both sides. But to not leave the door open for a kid who's that good to come back. Man, Spencer Sanders is now scrapping for the job at, at Ole Miss. It should not be like this. It should not be Garrett Rangel fighting against Alan Bowman for the quarterback job. And once again, there should be, there's probably some blame on both sides. But a part of this, if Mike Gundy had really expressed, I want Spencer Sanders back, he could have had him back. He, I mean, that's a guy who lit up Notre Dame in their bowl game. It's a guy who led them to a big 12 championship game where they were inches away from winning a guy who was first team, all big 12, a guy who had them at seven and last year before that injury that he took. I and mean, whatever you want to say about it, he gave a full college career. That guy let it left it all out there in terms of on the field. There are no doubts about that guy. You chased him off. You did, you did chase or, or, you know, maybe it was a mutual chasing, but you had a chance to get him back and you did. You might well, Josh, it's one player. Yeah, but there are complaints from Stephon Johnson Jr. And then there were complaints uh, from I think it was was it Presley, one of the Presley, or, or I'm forget which kid it was, uh, running the running back slash wide receiver they had, you know about about where he was being used. And like kids have these complaints all the time. But a bunch of kids at the portal. Trace Ford went to Oklahoma, and their defense was awful last year. I know maybe he's a really good coach, but like this is this is the issue that you're having is that these guys are leaving and. Oklahoma State should be a program kids go to aspire to play at. In my opinion, it's a top 25 program. It is a top 25 program in America. Every single year, they are going to bowl games. They're winning eight games a lot of years, and they've got a ton of 10-win seasons, all sandwiched in there as well in Mike Gundy's run. The big question is demeanor. And it's tough to change a 55. Change is hard for a lot of us. But the, does the demeanor for him change? Because if not... They might still keep winning seven, eight games, but man, 10, 11, 12 wins is going to be tough if you're shuffling the deck all the time because you're a hard ass and you're hard to play for. Coach can be hard to play for demanding and, and still you know uh, uh, do a bit of ego massaging, right? You can do it all, but it can't just be a one-way street. It cannot be my way or the highway 120% of the time anymore. It's just not going to work. And that's what I'm excited to see. Um, you know, I, I'm, that's what I'm excited to see about Mike Gundy this year is what can you do? Because I, I think we're all sleeping on him. I think I'm sleeping on a little bit too. And that's a team that I, I'm I'm fired up to see what what it looks like in 2023. How much buy-in is there? And the thing is, they might be really good this year, but when you know, I think it's beyond this season too. Like this team might have the FU nobody believes in this thing" in them, and they might do well because of that. What happens when it's not the case with that? What happens when it's a chance to get a bit more glitz and glam players who might be interested in your program because you keep putting up good seasons and you're in the college football playoff and they're, they're going to be in it? I mean, if they keep, you know, performing – I mean, last year's season would have put them in the CFP. They would have been there uh, if, if we had a 12-teamer, right? So, you know, uh, th- this is the big thing is if it's not an FU team, you know, us against the world, nobody's saying we're going to be good – uh, or I mean maybe he can convince his players that that's gonna be the case every single year, but like I don't think that that's going to be the case. How, to, how does he manage all of those? I'm very excited to see that. but Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, a lot of interesting things lot to look out for in in 2023 when it comes to those coaching situations because Oklahoma State's chance to go into the new Big 12 is one of the power programs because of how good of a job Mike Gundy has done over the years. Oklahoma, the Jordan brand on you know on on their shirt with the domination that they had the Big Twelve in recent memory feels like they can go into that league and start being one of the teams that competes, but they haven't been that team in the last two seasons. So I think it's begging a lot of questions right now about kind of where everything is heading for both these programs. I'm not saying there's a massive dip coming, but legitimate questions to ask for both. That's why I find them so compelling. That's why we just did thirty minutes on those two schools. That will do it for today's show. Make sure you guys follow me on Twitter at LOBig12 for the show. At Josh Neighbors underscore is where I am. Make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast. Appreciate when you guys do that. Once again, the goal is 4,000 subscribers by the end of April. Help us get there. Um, Please do so today. And uh, make sure you guys find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. All right, my friends. so next time, as always, stay safe.